0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Sustainable Investing Perspectives podcast on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Joining us once again for the conversation today, glad to welcome back from our UBS Chief Investment Office, Amantia Muhedini. Amantia is a sustainable and impact investing strategist for the Americas. We're glad to welcome to UBS Conversations, Glenn Yelton of Invesco. Glenn serves as the global head of ESG for the firm. So first off, I want to welcome Amantia Glenn. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients today. Looking forward to our conversation. Welcome.
1: Happy to be here. Thank you very much for having us, Dan.
0: Absolutely. So uh, before we get into it, up front for our listeners, I do want to highlight, point out that our conversation today will tie right into the latest edition of the monthly Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication, which can now be located on UBS.com slash CIO. So some reference there for our listeners. Now, within the December edition of the publication, which we'll cover today, among the topics covered within our takeaways from COP28 – And the timing of our conversation, it works out very nicely, as COP28 concluded yesterday on December 13th, with much debate and discussions on fossil fuels that could be historic. And for some context on the event, the U.N. climate change conferences are the official meetings of the Conference of the Parties, or COP for short. Uh, This year, nearly 80,000 people met in Dubai, representing all U.N. member states, as well as finance and business business. So, uh, Glenn, COP28 has at this point come to a close, a lot to reflect on, which we'll get into. Though, heading into the conference, Glenn, what were some themes, topics that were of interest to you?
2: Well, this was uh, posed to be one of the the COP28 was supposed to be one of those events that that was very pivotal. Uh, The environment around the world right now related to to climate is very mixed. Um, The anti-ESG backlash that we've seen there in the U.S. has, has had an and sort of an echo of the oil and gas industry in it. Uh, so there were some questions that I had uh, and that my team had as we looked to COP28. Uh, we were looking to see what the results were from the, the stock taking. Actually, where would we be um, on those targets that were, were highlighted in Paris? Uh, or Would fossil fuels make it fully onto the agenda, particularly given where this, this particular COP was hosted? Um my question is about what would the fate of renewables be? What about nuclear? Would nuclear actually be part of the conversation? Um, how would the division and responsibility for action and financing be addressed? Uh, there is a real split between developed markets and developing markets uh on those items. How would that that come into play? How would it sort of a that dynamic work its way through COP twenty eight? Uh would actually and that would developed markets step up? Um or would we see a hard line from the, those most immediately affected countries and regions uh, in the emerging and developing market side of the house? And finally, what about investment opportunities and adaptation and mitigation and transition? Uh, we're wondering where would the spotlight be? What would the impact be for opportunities in private markets, uh, including in renewable infrastructure development and in energy networks and storage, carbon capture, uh, energy efficiency, the, the circular economy? Uh, just really focus on, on on those sorts of items and going into this.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Dan. And just jumping in here uh, 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 to to kind of hear Glenn's thoughts. Um, in some ways, a lot of the those of us who follow the industry and and cop very closely, uh were sharing some of these expectations. As so, so I'd say, we had very similar questions that we're watching for here at UBS, um, and there was a general widespread uh, skepticism around what this particular meeting was likely to achieve. And I mean, I'll I'll kind of preview here and to say that, that we've had some positive surprises um, at the end as, as a result of the meeting. Um, the one thing that I would add to the, the long list of, of expectations and, and things we're watching that Glenn just mentioned is also carbon standards. Um, so one of the things that we're all watching was whether there would be agreement on establishing a conclusive standards for, uh, trading carbon credits in voluntary markets as a way to bring more credibility to that area. This is one of the conversations that started back with COP26. Uh, two years ago uh, when it was hosted by the UK um, and it was very much firmly also on the agenda.
0: So Amati, as you pointed out, some positive developments, takeaways from this year's COP. So let's dive into that a bit. What were some highlights that stood out to you and what areas of progress will you be tracking in the months ahead?
1: Yeah, of course. So, um, I mean, we are we're, we're, I can't believe that we haven't said it yet, but the really the key headline-grabbing a uh, comment or or kind of a a topic of conversation was around the two words fossil fuel so um the the this the, the industry of uh you know oil and gas in and particular term fossil fuels has not really appeared in any of these formal final u n um, official agreements that are ratified and signed by the nearly 200 member countries of the UN. And all the way up to the 11th hour, there was debate on whether there would be a commitment on phasing out or phasing down, or any other language that made a reference to the role of fossil fuels in the carbon transition explicitly versus talking about other things like renewables, offsets, and so forth. Um, and it was very interesting. When the first draft of the agreement dropped, there was no mention, which resulted in the conference essentially going into overtime negotiations. And um, to, to everyone's surprise and, and to say, you know, again, very uh, attention grabbing headlines uh, concluded with, with the final agreement that does indeed have language around the Transitioning uh, away from fossil fuels in the energy system in a just, orderly, and equitable manner. And I'm quoting here from what was agreed by the UN member nations. So this one, I guess I say, is the, is the headline. Now, what I would, um, you know, having hyped it up so much right now, I'd also note that while it was attention-grabbing, um, two things are important for investors to consider. Well, the first one is that implementation really will matter here, and this goes for every point of agreement, uh, that, that, that came out of COP28. Uh, and it also goes for any, any point of commitment around decarbonization that we keep seeing. The second thing is that the language is very careful around transitioning away. And in our view, what will be more likely and more important is a focus on reducing and investing in the reduction of energy demand in the coming years versus Um, kind of stopping or curtailing supply of fossil fuels in a way that creates a demand supply mismatch that could have negative consequences. And so some of the other positive uh, developments that we saw, and I'm sure Glenn will have his long list, so I won't take them all, but uh, were, for example, on agreements to reduce methane uh, leakage or methane emissions. Methane is another greenhouse gas uh, similar to carbon that uh, stays for less time in the atmosphere, but is nearly a little under thirty times more potent uh, in terms of warming the climate. And so a commitment to reduce methane helps. Uh, there are commitments around, uh, as, I, as I said, uh, thinking about curtailing energy demand. There are commitments around agriculture and health So all of these other parts of this very complex energy system, all of which hopefully will underpin the broader headline statement. Um, and I'm I'm curious, Glenn. I mean, what your takeaways were? Well, I have a long laundry list here, uh, but <laughs> don't want to take them
2: off. I uh, mean, you you hit one of the, the 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 headlines right was the 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 fact that fossil fuels actually made it in, and this COP COP 28 saw a record number of fossil fuel industry attendees. So there's a lot of concern about their influence on the proceedings and, and whether that actually would happen, and it did. Uh, so I think that was a good takeaway, and and the points about implementation. Um, I think investors really have to to take that into account because there are words and then there are actions and then the actions are where the opportunities will be. Um on our side, there were a couple of other things I wanted to highlight. One was the the, the target to triple global renewable energy capacity from 2022 to 2030. Um that's gonna drive a lot of progress in decarbonizing power, um, sort of moving away from those those higher emissions uh, sources of power production. Um we were also a bit surprised that COP 28 brought nuclear power back onto the main table. There are 22 nations uh, that actually pledged to triple their nuclear power capacity by 2050, and that close to home here in the U.S., the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission um, just this week granted Kairos Power uh construction permit for Hermes, which is a uh, it's a salt a molten salt cooled test reactor, uh, the first one that's actually been approved in over half a century. So nuclear is back on the table, and that's an emissions-free approach to, to power production. Um, I think, I mentioned, and then the loss and damage fund was also a major surprise. Um, total contribution so far a little bit over US 700 million. That's way short of the 400 billion required, but it is a start, and that was a, a bit of a surprise. And then finally, the, the other two things that, that from our side of the house were a little bit uh, surprising and positive were that. We saw over 130 countries sign a declaration to accelerate sustainable agriculture and food system transformation. So that's a lot of scaling and and financing for sustainable climate solutions to address food insecurity while also addressing climate change. And we saw over 120 countries agree to protect people's health from growing climate impacts. And that was on a, a separate declaration on climate and health. And we know that over 500 billion has been committed for health adaptation and food systems transformation. That's major. Those are parts of the conversation, I Dan, that that often aren't uh, at at the forefront. But I do want to highlight that part about investors, I because this is words and actions. Actions are opportunity. And with those opportunities, I think there is also an acknowledgement here uh, that private markets are not the only uh, part of the solution, Uh, that for private markets actually to be participating in these solutions uh, there has to be incentive, and that incentive typically is in, in a form of return and guarantee. Uh, a bit more government involvement, government commitment has to be there, uh, to take first risk, uh, take first loss so that these programs can actually, uh, be accomplished. And the scale of this, I mentioned Dan, the, the investments that are going to be needed over the next couple of decades is very, is very real. It's very big. And for capital markets and investment opportunities, particularly in climate mitigation, adaptation, uh, and transition. They're going to be there for, for our clients, uh, as, as we look over the next, even the short term, three, five, seven, ten years, they're it's, it's really going to be seeing some interesting opportunities
0: there. Well, Glenn Amantia, it's important that you highlighted those investment considerations for our listeners, just hearing about all of the positive, encouraging takeaways from this year's COP conference. It's very encouraging, and we will, of course, have to see how these developments, these accomplishments play out as we make our way into 2024 and, of course, beyond. Uh, Though, Amantia, Glenn, thank you both again for spending some time with our listeners, our clients here on Sustainable Investing Perspectives. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, always a pleasure.